0: Well, good morning and welcome to our first ever uh, recorded worship service here at Alleluia Lutheran Church. It is a beautiful morning here in the sanctuary with the sun streaming through the stained glass windows, and it is beautiful and quiet and peaceful, and a little unusual today. It's going to stay that way because we have decided that we are not going to uh, have live in-person worship today because of the COVID-19 outbreak, and so um, so we are just... um, blessed to be able to come together hopefully with you uh, in this way. It doesn't matter if we gather in the sanctuary or if we gather in our living rooms or around our kitchen tables. We are still all bound together by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we are blessed to be able to worship with you today. And so we begin with our opening song of Abide With Me, which reminds us that in the midst of crisis, God is with us.
1: have a home eternal home but for now I walk this broken world you walked it first you know our pain but you show hope can rise again up from the grave abide with me Abide with me. Don't let me fall. And don't let go. Walk with me. And never leave. Ever close, God. Abide with me. They're in the night. Before the cross, before the nails Overwhelmed, alone you prayed You met us in our suffering and bore our shame Abide with me, abide with me Don't let me fall, and don't let go. Walk with me, and never leave, ever close. God, abide with me.
0: Good and gracious God, we come before you today with heavy hearts and anxious minds. There's so much that we don't know. The future seems uncertain, yet into the anxiety you speak a word of hope and peace. Do not fear, you remind us, for I am with you. Help us to take those words to heart today. Remind us that you do indeed abide with us, that we are never alone and your love never fails. We know this because we saw the lengths you were willing to go on the cross, revealing a love that even death couldn't conquer. So quiet our hearts, silence the fears in our minds, and fill us with your hope and peace. Amen.
1: And up ahead, eternity, we'll weep no more, we'll sing for joy, abide with me, abide with me, abide with me. Don't let me fall and don't let go, walk with me and never leave, ever close, God abide.
0: So our first reading today comes from the prophet Isaiah, the fifth chapter. And if you want to grab a Bible and read along uh, with me, that would be great. Um, But this is a passage that we heard this past fall, but it ties in with our gospel reading for today. So Isaiah chapter 5. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a vat, a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between, between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done for it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, it shall be pruned or hoed and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice but saw bloodshed, righteousness but heard a cry. now we prepare for the reading of the gospel
1: I'm finding myself at a loss for words and the funny thing is it's okay the last thing I need to be heard but to hear you would say word of God speak would you pour down like rain washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know you're in this place Please let me stay and rest In your holiness, word of God speak. So our Gospel reading
0: today comes from Mark, the twelfth chapter, and it makes a whole lot more sense having heard that passage from Isaiah. Then Jesus began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the winepress, and built a watchtower. And then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants to collect from them his share of the produce of the vineyard. But they seized him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. And again, he sent another slave to them and this one they beat over the head and insulted. Then he sent another and that one they killed. And so it was with many others, some they beat and others they killed. He had still one other A beloved son finally he sent him to them saying they will respect my son but those tenants said to one another this is the heir come let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours so they seized him killed him and threw him out of the vineyard what then will the vineyard owner do he will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others have you not read this scripture the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. When they realized that he had told this parable against them, they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd, so they left him and went away. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
1: Word of God, speak. Won't you pour down my grain, washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know you're in this place please let me stay and rest in your holiness word of god speak word of god speak Word of God speak.
0: Well, I originally wrote this sermon on Tuesday. I don't usually work on sermons that early in the week, but I was going out of town Thursday through Saturday, and so I wanted to get it done early. And then the world changed on Thursday. As we made our way down to Wabasha, where we were gonna be staying, it seemed like every hour there was a new development in the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Sports teams were canceling and in our sports crazed society, that told me that this was indeed serious. A national state of emergency was declared. Our governor laid out guidelines for gathering in public spaces and we were left to wonder, what does this mean for us as a community of faith? What is the most faithful response in the midst of uncertainty? How do we protect the most vulnerable in our society, but not live our lives in fear? It seemed that a new sermon needed to be written, because I just couldn't figure out how this parable of the wicked tenants, the scripture that was assigned for today, had anything to say to us about what we are experiencing now. But as I looked at this story again, I began to wonder if maybe it was misnamed. Perhaps it isn't the parable of the wicked tenants, after all, but the parable of the crazy, reckless, no-holds-barred, love-you-no-matter-what vineyard owner. So let's take a look. If you want to look it up, you can find this story in Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. And bear with me here for a minute until we kind of get to how this is all going to tie together. Rarely are Jesus' parables as easy to interpret as this one. In fact, this one was so clear that when the chief priests and the elders and the scribes heard it, they understood it immediately, and they wanted to kill Jesus. Now, since you aren't Jewish and aren't living in the first century, it may not be clear to you why this was so offensive to them. So let me lay it out for you. So the vineyard, which you heard in both Isaiah and in the Mark passage, is an established metaphor for the people of Israel. You heard God talk about this in Isaiah as growing wild grapes. And so everyone listening to this parable would understand that the vineyard is the people of Israel. That makes God the vineyard owner, the one who has planted, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press, built a watchtower, taken great care to make sure that it thrived. Actions that are mirrored in that passage from Isaiah. The tenants then, are the Jewish temple leaders, the chief priests and the scribes and the, and the elders who are listening to Jesus tell this parable. The slaves are sent to collect what is due the owner, and these are the Old Testament prophets. And the beloved son, of course, is Jesus. He's first called the beloved son at the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, at his baptism, when the heavens open up and a voice comes down and says, this is my beloved son. And so there is no subtlety here in this parable. The beloved son is Jesus. And given that Jesus has just told the disciples three times that he would be beaten and killed, this parable seems to be just another way to predict the ending to his story. To place this parable in context, you need to know that we are now in Jerusalem. Because Palm Sunday in our calendar is still a few weeks away. We've skipped that story. But that's what came right before the parable that Jesus told today. So if you've ever wondered what happened between Palm Sunday and Good Friday to get the crowds from cheering Hosanna on Sunday to crucify him on Good Friday, the next few weeks will help you understand that. Jesus did things like telling parables like this one that got the wrong people mad at him. So what is going on here that gets the temple leadership so up in arms that they are ready to arrest Jesus on the spot and call for his life? Well, Jesus is pretty explicit. They are the ones who are directly opposing the will of the vineyard owner, which means they are portrayed as opposing God. For a group of people who believe their whole life is about protecting the law of God, this is a pretty harsh criticism. They're also seen as violent and unjust in the way they treat the vineyard owner's messengers, the slaves or prophets, and then the beloved son. And let's just stop right there for a moment and focus on just how crazy this story is. Doesn't it seem a little nuts to you that the tenants that they think that they can get away with just beating up the messengers? Do they really think that that's going to work? Their violent actions just continue to escalate in ways that are absurd. The first slave is beaten and sent away empty-handed. The second is beaten over the head and insulted. And the third one is killed. And then we're told, and finally the vineyard owner sends his beloved son, thinking they will never kill the heir. And listen to the tenant's rationale. This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. Doesn't that just seem a little crazy to you? To think that killing the owner's son is going to result in getting the land? I think this parable should be called the parable of the crazy tenants and not the wicked tenants, although they are certainly that too. So no wonder the chief priests and the scribes and the elders are angry to be portrayed in such a callous and unjust And crazy way. But the only thing crazier than the tenant's actions are the actions of the vineyard owner. I mean come on, get a clue. How many people are you going to send before you realize that this just isn't working? For it's not just the three slaves that he sends that we hear specifically about. We're also told, so it was with many others, some they beat and others they killed. At some point, don't you just give up and come up with a new plan? It sounds a little like God and the Old Testament prophets. God sent messenger after messenger to the people of Israel. And yet they persisted in acts of injustice. They turned away from God. They lived their lives in ways that dishonored God. And yet, God never gave up ever. Instead, God came up with a new plan. God sent the beloved son, and I wonder if God too thought, surely they will respect my son. It was a crazy, reckless thing to do. And I can't help but wonder if God was surprised when the temple leadership actually killed Jesus. I know that idea challenges what many of you have been taught about why Jesus died. Like me, you were probably taught that God demanded this sacrifice of Jesus in order that the blood of Jesus would redeem us from our sins. In seminary, I learned several different atonement theories, which is what we call these interpretations of Jesus' death. The ransom and victory theory that Jesus paid the ransom so that we could be bought back. Or the substitution, satisfaction, and sacrifice theory where Jesus was the substitute for the sacrifice demanded by God for the sinfulness of humanity. But all these theories always left me wondering what kind of a God would demand the death of his beloved son. But what if God really thought this would work? What if God, like the vineyard owner, really thought that by sending his son, that people would finally understand just how much God loved them, just how much God wanted a relationship with them? What if this parable isn't about the wicked tenants or the crazy tenants, but about the crazy, reckless, stop-at-nothing, overwhelming love of God? What if what we're supposed to take away from this parable isn't the wickedness of the Jewish leaders, but God's never-ending pursuit of the people that God loves. In the midst of the craziness of the world right now, I find it comforting to think about a God who is so reckless that he would become one of us, walk along the earth for a while, and even die for us. That is true love, and I think it is this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God that will get us through this moment, because it's a love that does not discriminate. It's a love that healed the rich and the poor. It's a love that broke bread with tax collectors and prostitutes and kings and paupers. It's a love that cast out demons and cast out hatred. It's a love that crossed borders and barriers, and it fed hungry people from all walks of life. And it is that overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God that binds us together in times of crisis like this. Times when we are reminded, like we were on Ash Wednesday, of our fragile humanity, but also of God's amazing grace and love for us. It is a love that hopefully inspires us to love one another as Christ first loved us. Because that's what gets us through these moments. You know, a virus knows no boundaries. It doesn't care how much money you have. It doesn't care about the color of your skin. It doesn't care what zip code you live in or who you love or what your politics are. A virus just doesn't care. A virus in a perverse way reminds us just how interconnected we all are with the whole world, with all people, not just the ones that look and live like us. So this is a time for us to be reminded of our common humanity, to see the beloved image of God in each other. It's a time for us to come together as people without labels, to defeat a common enemy, that preys on the most vulnerable among us. So that's why we're coming to you via video today. So we can do our small part to protect the most vulnerable, to do our small part to support a healthcare system and keep it from being overwhelmed. And so whether we gather in this sanctuary or we are gathered by the power of the Holy Spirit in the comfort of our living rooms or around our kitchen tables, we are inextricably connected to one another We are linked by our faith, a faith that trusts in the promises of a God who is reckless and crazy and will stop at nothing to show us how much we are loved. So my prayer for you in the coming days and weeks is that you experience the overwhelming, never-ending, recklessly crazy love of God and that it eases your anxiety just a little bit. I pray that this love of God inspires you to be more loving to those around you as you are reminded that we are all in this together. And I pray that you always remember, wash your hands. Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: You've been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You've been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You've been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God.
0: And now let us pray for the church, the world, and all those in need. God, our healer, show your compassion for the whole human family that is in turmoil and burdened with illness and with fear. Hear our cry, O God. Come to our aid as the coronavirus spreads globally. Heal those who are sick. Support and protect their families and friends from being infected. Hear our cry, O God. Grant us your spirit of love and self discipline so that we may come together working to control and eliminate this virus. Hear our cry, O God. Make us vigilant attentive and proactive in the eradication of all diseases, malaria, HIV, AIDS, cancer, and others that create suffering and often result in the death of many people. Hear our cry, Lord. Heal our self-centeredness and indifference that makes us worry only when the virus threatens us. Open ways beyond timidity and fear that too easily ignore our, ang- our neighbors. Hear our cry, O God. Strengthen and encourage those in public health services and in the medical profession. Caregivers, nurses, attendants, doctors, all who commit themselves to caring for the sick and their families. Hear our cry, O God. Inspire, give insight and hope to all researchers focused on developing a vaccine. Hear our cry, O God. Sustain all workers and business owners who suffer loss of livelihood due to shutdowns, quarantines, closed borders, and other restrictions. Protect and guard all of those who must travel. Hear our cry, O God. Guide the leaders of the nations that they speak the truth. Halt the spread of misinformation and act with justice so that all your family may know healing. Hear our cry, O God. Hold in your gentle embrace all who have died and who will die this day. Comfort their loved ones in their despair. Hear our cry, O God. Heal our world, heal our bodies, strengthen our hearts and our minds, and in the midst of turmoil, give us hope and peace. Be with those who we lift up to you now in the silence of our hearts. Hear our cry, O
1: Lord. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99 i couldn't earn it i don't deserve it still you give yourself away oh the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of god listen to our prayer remember all your
0: family the entire human race and all your creation in your love revealed to us most fully in your son jesus christ who taught us to pray And now receive this blessing based on Ephesians chapter 3. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Amen. Go in peace. Know that Christ is with you.